Hello, and welcome to Alpha Omega Church. This is not a physical church. This is not one that is bound to the pews. This is one that is all throughout the world, and this is God's people being called together to learn, to grow, and to find Him in all things. You can reach us at Facebook at at sign 7 Alpha Omega 7. Thank you, and I hope you have a wonderfully blessed day. had a lot of people bring this up not a lot of people well a lot of people but here recently a friend of mine has brought this up um and he said i know you said that in the last days people will dream dreams and and prophesy and things like that and he's like man i'm starting to have dreams all the time (laughs) you know and they have meaning so i wanted to read this real quick but it says then peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So that always makes me laugh because he's like, it's, it's like nine in the morning. Like, why would they be drunk right now? You know, because what's happening is the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they all started prophesying and speaking in tongues and everybody started saying they were drunk because they were doing these things. Um, then he reads scripture from the prophet Joel from the Old Testament. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's kind of bringing me into the next passage we're going to go to. These are the only two we're going to do. But here, even this much or this close to christ's crucifixion and death resurrection and people have very freshly heard of all these things happening and some of them have witnessed christ's death and all that and they're already doubting the holy spirit falling on someone right they're already doubting that god is already moving through his people and they're already referring to it as people being drunk being crazy being out of their mind and so here we are 2000 some odd years later what do you think is going to happen to us you know um but i love this because it says even on my servants both men and women so a lot of people say well the man's the only one that can prophesy stop all that you know god literally says i will pour out my spirit on all people right and people who don't even push into god will have dreams and visions because god is sending them to everyone right He's giving signs. He's giving all these things for everyone to look and say, maybe this is real. Maybe I need to turn around from the thing I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing, (laughs) you know? Um, So this is what Peter is explaining here is these things are happening and it's because God is moving. And this is what the prophet said way before any of us was here, you know? 
So he's using scripture to rebuke and, and to have people acknowledge that this isn't just me talking and this isn't just these people acting weird. This was prophesied, right? So now we go to Amos three or Amos four, actually. Let me know when you're there. It's a, it's a little small book. Okay, Amos what? Amos four, and we're going to start at six. Okay. Okay. Want you to read it, but as you're reading it, I want you to think about the world and where we're at now i keep looking over here at the video <laughs> um think about the world and where we're at now and what's happening and what's continuing to happen with famines and heat waves and all these things and though it says god's discipline and israel's apostasy and what that means in some other definitions is god's discipline and israel's falling away right and apostasy is when somebody believes in God and they're a part of it and then they fall away from their faith, right? They let go of what they once held. Um, in Israel here, we can also understand that Bible foreshadows a lot. You know, there was a foreshadowing of Christ. And then after Christ came, there was types of Christ. The same way that before or as Israel is falling away was a foreshadowing of the great falling away spoken of in the end times, right? So all these things are hints that God gives in the Bible saying, this is going to happen, right? So be ready for this and look at what happened last time. What do you think I'm going to do now? You know, so go ahead and read this and Again, you can read, sorry, <laughs> you can read all the way to 13. All the way to 13. Yep. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field and had rain, another had none and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not give enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel, and because I have, because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. 
Sound familiar? Now we're going through all that right now. Literally. Mm -hmm. And there are famines, there are plagues, there are heat waves, there Locus. are locusts. There, he says, two or three cities staggered to one to another city to drink water. So there's people leaving cities and going to other places because there is literally a drought of water. So all these things are happening, and people are prophesying and having dreams and having visions. And there are people that look and say they're crazy. They have multiple personality disorder. They're out of their mind. They're drunk. They're, they're on drugs. Right. So when God starts and he says, you know, I, I speak through my people, like he's, he's literally declaring that these are the things that I've done and you've not returned to me. I have sent like so much destruction and taken so many things from you. And I even show that I can profit one and, and take from another, right? I've shown that I am, I am, uh, not almighty, but he is, but he is, uh, over everything. Right. And you still not come to me. And that's what he keeps referring is you've still not turned. You've still not turned. You've still not turned. And, so a lot of people think that God is this, this fist that's on you, you know, but you don't understand how many times God tries to grab your attention before he finally says, okay, if this is what you want to do, then here comes the destruction. I've been warning you about this whole time. So when you read this, what do you, what are you envisioning right now with what's going on in the world? Well, I think it's interesting because I feel like there's a lot that we can learn from our past or history, but we tend to want to forget those things and move on. But the problem with that is, I mean, this is in scripture. This was written a very long time ago, and yet history repeats itself. And if it's in scripture saying that, you know, God is allowing these things, he, he, he's letting these things happen. And, um, he's the driving force in these things. And yet we don't want to turn away from our ways. Like he has it in writing years ago. So we keep repeating ourselves. you know, we're broken people. So I feel like we keep returning to our sinful nature. Um, even people who have been on the path, their Christian faith, and, and they've done it for a while, they fall away and, um, you know, temptation. And then the devil is very real. So unfortunately, even though we reread this, um, it keeps repeating itself. And see, that's the thing is you, you, you mentioned we, we keep falling away, right? Um, this isn't written to non-believers. This scripture isn't towards people who hate God. This isn't towards atheists. This isn't towards agnostics. This is written to people who believe in God, supposedly, and who walk that path with God. This is written to the believers. And God is saying, you're turning from me and you won't come back. You're supposed to believe in me. You're supposed to love me and obey me. And here I am sending you all these spankings to get you to wake up. And you're still reaching for the thing I told you to stop reaching for. And so a lot of Christians want to, and all these religions want to point out, well, it's the non-believers fault. And the reason why the world's falling apart and this and that is because they won't come to God and they won't repent. God's talking to you in the scripture. This ain't about the non-believer. This is because you have gotten so prideful and haughty in your belief that you don't think that you can be touched anymore. Right. And 
when you look down here, it says, therefore, Israel, this is what I will do to you. And since I will do that to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He is here, the one who forms the mountains, creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. Right. So this is the dreams and visions that we read about a while ago. I will I will uh, pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions and your and your your, your your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So this is him literally saying, I reveal my thoughts to man, right? So when you say that people are full of it and that there's no way God talks to you and God don't talk to his people anymore, there's literal scripture right here that says, I reveal my thoughts to man, right? So what I'm going to purpose and what I'm going to do, I will reveal to man. And those who have an ear to hear and an eye to see will obey me and follow. But those that don't, they will have destruction come upon them and they will be sudden. They'll be like, well, why did God judge me? Why did he come upon me? You didn't pay attention to the other 30 signs he sent you before that, right? So right here, a little down from that scripture. Okay. So if we go down to five, four, or I'm sorry, five, ten. Five, ten. Okay. They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate, and they despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and exact a grain tax from him, you will never live in the house of cut, houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. So the end of it is talking about you're, you're taxing people who can't even afford to pay for it, right? You're trying to draw every last thing you can out so that you can have these lush houses and these vineyards and all that. And he's saying, I'm going to strip that from you. You have oppressed the poor. You're supposed to care for them and take care of them. And you're supposed to care for the widow and care for the orphan. And here you are trying to take everything you can from them, right? Sounds a lot like America. We're at right now, you know? Um, but the thing I want to point out the most is 10. It says, they hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate. And they despise the one who speaks with integrity, right? So when we speak with integrity, we're speaking with the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? These are all good fruit that, that manifest in us when we're following and, and obeying God. And when we speak to somebody and say, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that, you know? And, and you know, I love you. And I just want you to know that the decisions you're making right now, it's, it's going to lead you to a bad place. You get attacked for that. You're hated for that. And it says you that they hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate, right? So I may not even have to say anything. And someone being around me may feel a conviction because of the way that I'm living. And they hate me for that. They're going to hate the person who's following God because God's spirit is going to convict them. But they hate the person, right? They attack the flesh. And in, in the Bible, it says that we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight spirits and principalities, right? But when somebody is not of the spirit of God, they don't know that. So who are they going to look at what they can see, right? So living in these last days with all these plagues, and all these things happening, and with us having this integrity that God's placing in those who are following him, you're going to be hated. 
and people are going to despise you because you are a living conviction when you get around them. And so some people will not want you in their circle and some people won't want you around them for the plain and simple fact that I feel guilty when you're around. And when I feel guilty, I want to attack you. And some people may have that loving heart to say, I don't want you near me because I don't want to hurt you, but it's still sinful what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. What what version are you reading from? I'm jumping around. Um, This one is the Christian standard Bible. Okay. Um, I I bounce from different versions because different words say different things and I want to get the full understanding. Yeah. Mine, mine says something else. Go ahead and read what yours says on 10 and 11. It says, um, I have the NIV version and it says, there are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. Mm-hmm. So you were reading it and I was like, where is this? You said <laughs> it's good to read different versions. And like you said, you read 10 again. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. So convicts the guilty and upholds justice in court, right? Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to stand by the laws that God's given us. And, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. And you, and you stand behind that. Not because you're scared I'm going to crack you with a whip, but because you love me. Right. So we uphold that because we know that that's something that's close to God's heart. He wants what's best for us. So we do that. And that is what the court was supposed to be founded on justice. Right. And you do these things and you, you act this way and you don't act this way. If you do, then you have this that comes and you, you know, men are appointed judges over other people. And if you have uh, someone has authority over you, you're supposed to obey that authority, you know, but when you have a system that has now turned away from God and is removing God from everything, can we really call that justice anymore? You know, and though there may be some judges in the court system who are still upholding those laws, how many aren't right? Mm-hmm. So it becomes rough because you have now people who are upholding the, the statutes of God and saying, Hey, you did this. So you've got to do, you've got to pay this. Right. But then you have people who are now polluting the word of God and saying, well, you're a Christian or you follow God, so therefore you are now breaking the law, or it's, un- it's unjust, right? And in the end times, we are warned that things are going to happen this way. And there's going to be a lot of false prophets. There's going to be a lot of people saying a lot of false things. And, and there's going to be nations rising against nations. And it's because everything is now becoming so polluted by Satan that it's so hard for someone who's trying to come to God to really find God in all the murky water, Right. And the devil knows that the more that he can take something God meant for good and twist it, it makes it so much harder for someone to find God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But when that person, and there's hope in this though, because everybody's like, well, what's the point even trying then? You know, if it's this bad, I'm probably going to get lost anyway. Right. But this is what revelation speaks of is those that pursue and those that receive the crown, right. Or those that persevere to the end will receive the crown of glory. Right. So God's saying, I know it's tough and I know things are bad, but if you're able to make it through that murky water, you're going to find something that is amazing beyond all measure. And I will raise you up to do great things. Right? So it may not be easy and it may not be something that you, you know, can in a heartbeat be done, but he's saying, if you just push through, 
and you can stick it out through all the mess the devil's made, you're going to receive something great. I know how hard your trial is. And that's what I can't, I think, I can't remember if it's Smyrna he told. He said, I know how hard it is. You're basically surrounded by evil everywhere, right? I understand that. But if you can just persevere to the end. So God's not saying, hey, I don't, you know, it's easy. No, he understands. He gets that. But you were made for this time, right? Yep. So what do you get out of all of this? Everything that we're discussing. I mean, um, the court that makes sense. And I actually, I was really, as we were talking about court, I was thinking about um, uh, Dan at, at church because he was talking about policies and how God is very much involved in those things. And and um, it was really interesting because I, I never really, I never really put God in like law and policies together. Um, I don't know. I think because policies is kind of like man-made, but God is in everything and God works through people. And um, so it was kind of interesting to, to tie that link together. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have, when you have God exacting things like in the old Testament, he would place people, to be in positions to judge and be in positions to decipher between two people who got what when things went down. And if they went to court with another believer, then there were certain ways they would handle things. Right. And even in the new Testament, now we're supposed to handle things that way, but he is showing man a perfect way of doing things, but man strays and says, well, I think I want to do this instead, you know, and we know what this is, this looks a little bit harsher in my eyes. I think you should get the death penalty, (laughs) you know, and that's not what God stated, right? So we are very, very, and this is this comes down to judgment too. Is, and I know this isn't a popular opinion, but guess what? It's the Bible, so suck it up. You know, um, whenever someone is a rapist or a child molester or an abuser or an alcoholic or they are a mass murderer or a serial killer, or just pick whatever sin it is that you want to instill or instate in this and you see that person, you want to immediately say, well, that's worse than me still in a candy bar. That's worse what that person did than me cussing at that person in the grocery store for pulling out in front of me. But in God's eyes, it's sin. And sin leads you to destruction and death, right? But man wants to place a level. Man wants to say, well, this sin is greater than this sin, right? So I'm doing good. I'm not, I'm not in jail for rape. I I stole a candy bar. I got a slap on the hand. I'm good though. Right. Mm -hmm. So we want to place that level of sin and say, well, there's no hope for that person. They, they, they literally went and raped somebody. They, they, God ain't going to take them back, you know, but God made that way for everybody who repents. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is not the popular opinion with church and with a lot of, or not all churches, but worldly churches is the rapist that repents will find his way to God. Whereas the man who stole the candy bar who doesn't repent will go to hell, right? Because it's about your heart. It's not about the act of what you did. There is a consequence that comes with that. And it's in the sin you commit, right? If you steal a candy bar versus raping somebody, there's going to be a higher consequence for the sin you committed for raping someone, right? But when it comes down to the heart, the man that stole the candy bar very well could go to hell because he refuses to turn to God and give it back to him, right? Whereas the man that committed rape turns and says, I screwed up. I'm bad. And he falls to his knees, repents and completely lives his life after that for God. He's going to heaven. Mm -hmm. 
And people don't want to hear that. Right. Well, if you think of David, right? I mean, David was like, he, he he did a lot of bad things, Mm -hmm. a lot, but he was a man after God's heart. He was constantly repenting and, um, And, and God saw that God saw the heart in that. And he kept messing up <laughs> one mess up after another, but kept repenting. And that's, and that's what Paul sits on as he says, don't let your salvation be an excuse for your sinful behavior. Right? right. And so when people read the story of David, they're like, so I can just keep sinning and keep repenting to God and I'm good. But you got to understand with David, when David sinned and he repented, he didn't go back to it. He didn't go into it again. He didn't go find another woman and then put her husband out on the front line to try to kill him so he could murder and have sex with her and all that. He didn't do that. Once he messed up, that was it. He cut it and he walked away from it, right? So it was a refining process. And David's refining process might be a lot different than my refining process. It might take me two times to slap on the hand and I'm done. David, it may have took 50, you know, but it's a constant refining. So we can't look at other people and say, well, you ain't following God. You don't know that. You don't know what's in their heart right? We're supposed to be loving and we're supposed to not judge one another in harsh manner, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I look at the word of God and I see that you're stepping outside of it, I can say righteous judgment says you shouldn't be doing these things because I'm trying to bring them back, right? But a harsh man-made judgment is you're a horrible person because you're doing these and you're not going to heaven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the church falls many times over. Mm-hmm. I've found some really good churches that have some really good pastures, and the flock has dirt all over them and they will literally pollute everybody that comes in there. And it's become like, for lack of better words, a haunt of demons. Right. And so God sends somebody with a word and he's hated the same way that a prophet would come to a city and they would kill the prophet. They're like, well, we don't have to hear what he's going to say from God if we kill him. And then we're not have to be convicted by it, <laughs> you know? So I, uh, I love this. And I think this is something that we could continue to do every week. And if someone joins, cool. If not, then I'm going to keep posting them because here's the bottom line. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about anybody that joins. It's about the fact that God's trying to get a word out there for someone. And if it hits one person, even if they watch this recording and they're like, I needed that, that's all that matters. Right. And if I have to keep doing this every week by myself, I don't care. I've been doing a lot of things by myself for a long time. So this is not going to bother me one bit. I just pray that this touches the hearts of those it needs to touch. And if anybody has questions or concerns or comments, you can reach out and talk to me. Let me know. We can discuss it. We can study it. Um, but one thing I do recommend is if you don't know the answer to something, just say, I don't know that or, hey, let's open the Bible and study it, you know. What I see a lot now is people have this mentality of, I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to not have the answer. So I'm just going to tell you what I think. And then later they go read and find out what the truth is. And, but they never go fix that error that they put out. So now that person goes and tells someone else and you've now created someone who's falling into sin. And the Bible says, when you cause one of his children to fall like that, that's on your hands, right? Teachers will be judged more harshly is what it says. So be careful what you're speaking and what you're telling people. If you really don't know the answer and you have no idea or you're 95% sure, guess what? That's not a hundred. Don't share it. It's okay to talk about things and discuss things in fellowship. And we come together and we, we study, but don't go teaching things unless you absolutely know the answer. And even then be careful, <laughs> make sure you're reading from the word. You got anything to say? 
No, sir. Okay. Close out in prayer. Yep, we can do that. <clears throat> um, Father God, I come before you and I just, I, I thank you for all the things that you do. Um, uh, I'm always willing and always ready to run out and, you know, pick up the, the shovel and start digging in the field and doing these things. And, you know, I, I say this for other people because sometimes we dig and we dig and we dig and we don't see a harvest and we don't see the planting of the seeds. And even though we're putting the labor in and we walk away from the field, we feel a sense of discouragement because we didn't get to see the harvest. But what we don't realize is that when you call us to another field or you call us on the other side of the house where we can't see that field anymore, we don't see the harvest workers going out and plucking the fruit from the vine and we don't see the fruit growing on the vine. Right. So it doesn't mean that what we, what we do is in vain. And it doesn't mean that the labor that we do for you, it doesn't seem very productive. And, you know, we're basically playing with dry dirt when we're building this field for you. So it's not super exciting, but when the harvest comes, that is feeding so many people, even if we're not the ones that get to partake or see. Right. So I, I thank you for that. And, and, and I, just, I just ask that you help people understand that the work they are doing, just because it's not seen by others and just because they don't have an immediate reaction doesn't mean it's not fruitful, right? There is fruit that people are feeding from, from the things that you have done through people that we may never get to see, but there is a, there's a harvest going on. So just keep working. And I, and I pray and I ask that you place this in people's hearts. So they keep working in the field and they keep laboring and they keep doing these things for you and keeping their eyes focused on you rather than the fruit that's growing in the field. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Alpha Omega Fellowship. If you would like to reach out to me personally, you can reach me at my email, needprayer07 at gmail.com. That's N-E-E-D-P-R-A-Y-E-R-0-7 at gmail.com. I pray you have a wonderfully blessed day.